This is Boomer in the Morning with Ryan Pinder on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Flame season is over. Welcome back to Boomer in the Morning. This hour brought to you by Spruce It Up Garden Center, your one-stop shop for the best plants, trees, pots, and decor in the greenest grass. Spruce it up. Green it up. Prune it up. They've got you covered. Spruce It Up Garden Center. Corey Sarich in studio. It is a Friday, although it really is the day after the night before the Calgary Flame season came to an end. In overtime. The puck off the stick of Connor McDavid, the fifth goal to go in. They needed five to win. It was 4-4 headed to overtime. Uh, The Flames thought they had a fifth in the third period. Lots to unpack from last night and uh, an offseason with a lot of huge decisions, not just for Flames management, but for players as well that have options for the Calgary Flames. Uh, This will not be boring between now and July 13th when free agency opens. Uh, But I think right now, as that conversation will be a little more evergreen until mid-July, it's unpacking what happened last night. The Calgary Flames. Here's a text I'll read. And I think this was summed up nicely and in very few words, I think, gets the message across we've been talking about very succinctly. This series, so unsutter-like, they couldn't lock down leads or get enough timely saves. When you think about the 82-game series and when you think about the seven-game series, sort of the 82-game regular season and the seven-game series, those 89 games between opening night in Edmonton and Game 7 overtime against Dallas, the Calgary Flames had a few hallmarks. They built an identity. They played a certain way. Blowing leads and not getting timely saves, that's the exact opposite of what this group looked like for nearly 90 games this year, Corey. Yeah, and you want to you wanna pin it all on the Calgary Flames. But when you look across at the firepower of the Edmonton Oilers, that can probably be enough to unnerve anybody. You've got, you know that going into a game like that, you're probably going to give up something just where and when. But again, last night, I, I just had a bad feeling, especially first period, not so much. Second period, you start to trade chances. Even after, even before you're up 2 nothing, you're up one nothing. you've had an okay first, and then it just starts to, there starts to be giveaways, there starts to be turnovers, puck mismanagement, pucks not going to spaces, spaces and places that they should be to make it harder for the Oilers, and it's just a recipe for disaster. And the Flames got caught up in it this series. They couldn't protect a lead. There was often times where they'd, they'd build a lead or they'd put themselves back in a game. And it was moments later, not, not just sometime later, moments later where all of a sudden they're on their heels again. And that's going to be a place that if, if this group is together again, the majority of them next year, they're going to have to look on improving again. And you, you have to remember though, Ryan, like you look at the great teams, you look at right now, currently the Tampa Bay Lightning. Mm-hmm the growth and the pain that they had to go through. Agreed. You look at the Colorado Avalanche, Colorado Avalanche that have been squashed a couple still times with their the third round. Yeah. And it's it's a learning process and it the is The Leafs are going through the similar sort of thing in the other conference. It and it is painful as a fan. I can only imagine sitting there. Why well, I, I am I became I became a huge Calgary Flames did, fan. Man. 
like of this specific group this year because of the way they played. It gave me faith and it gave me hope because they played such a old school type of hockey game. Responsible, defense first, right? But last night I didn't see enough of it. The hallmarks of their game were not there last night and they weren't there for most of the series. I wanted them to make it miserable for the Oilers for every inch of that ice last night and it wasn't. No, you're right. It was too comfortable. Here's, Here's a stat that'll tell a bit of a story. The Calgary Flames led after 20 minutes, 32 times this year in the NHL. That's the most in the NHL. They were great at scoring first. They were good at scoring first in this series too. They had leads in games one, two, and five. Like more than they got scored on first. The Flames in those 32 regular season games when they scored first, excuse me, uh, I'm doing the math wrong. They, uh, they won 32 games when leading after 20 minutes. We'll try this again. 39 times they had a lead after 20 minutes. They tucked 32 of those away. Like that's a really, really, really good percentage. 32-6-1, their record when leading after 20 minutes. They and had the most wins in the NHL when leading after 20 minutes. And game one was shaky. Game two got away from them. And game five got away from them again. Playoffs, 12 games played. They had four leads after 20 minutes. Two of them they hung on to. The hallmarks of this team were defense, responsibility, big saves, and just making life tough on the opponent, wearing them down. You saw a lot of it against Dallas, and you saw a goaltender hang a 955 save percentage on them. They somehow got past that. In round two, there was almost nothing that resembled the 82-game structure, defense, and commitment to the backside of the puck. From the Flames. And you, you, there was definitely enough offense there this series to win it. Like that's, there, there's no, no question there. That's a good point. You get some past, you get some past Smith, but you just have to take care of your own business. And sometimes I wonder if that's not, you would think the mindset is there, but maybe now it just boils down to experience and the hype of the moment. And this battle of Alberta I can only imagine what it does to your psyche, right? There's that much added pressure on both sides. The buildings were absolutely bonkers, like both of them. Who handles it better? I just felt like with the pressure and the way that the games could turn into kind of a firefight that it suited the Edmonton Oilers and it would require the Calgary Flames to be that much more disciplined and that much more locked down and gritty and dirty and... Maybe there's some not enough personnel there for the Calgary Flames to get it done because the regular season is a different animal than the postseason. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about it before. And that's why I was rooting. Ryan, I think we were on the same page. I hope they get to play the LA Kings. As much as we want to see this Battle of Alberta as a pure Flames fan. A hockey fan, yeah. People made, all over North America want to see it. Made me nervous. Can this team shut down the Oilers? And we got the answer. Couldn't do it. Top players went off. We talked about it. 15 assists alone for Leon Dreisaitl in the series. Like, was it the 12 old, points for McDavid. Was it the old rope-a-dope by Dreisaitl? Like, he just so quietly he, he, went about yeah. his business. And he's not a guy that's built on speed and skating. Like, it, it certainly it just doesn't hurt his game. But I think, you know, what Boomer talked about a bunch is he's a way better playmaker than we probably give credit for if you just look at his goals, right? Because he scores 50-plus. You're like, well, he's just a sniper. Well, 
He found some guys with some good looks this series. Oh, my goodness. And, and him and McDavid on that overtime winner, do you see them talking to each other? You see McDavid, he's – puck is turned over to Dreisaitl, and on the way by, if you watch the replay, Connor's probably telling him something that they've done a million times this year. Oh, yeah, just uh, backhand, backhand, or chip to the middle, chip to the middle. Because he knows he's, he's got a step and he's getting into space, and I don't think Dreisaitl even has to look. Last night, there was a play where Dreisaitl got the puck on the boards in his own end. He just turned and used his extra large body, and Manjapani's coming to check him. Good luck. Manj can't even get anywhere near the puck, and he just calmly breaks the puck out. He, he does a great job of managing the puck, and he has so much patience and poise with it. And if you want to, if the Flames want to take a little bit of, take some notes, he did a great job. The goal that Bouchard scored. Skates it in the end, doesn't panic, turns it up. Hannafin doesn't do a good job of defending. Couple passes, give and go. A little bit of loss, not the best coverage. Pucks in their net. Like There's just multiple times where I was so impressed with him last night. And he's doing it without his, without his, like he's got the ability to beat guys and to barrel through guys, but he didn't have to do that. He did it a different way. Couple of uh, texts coming in with one similar thought here. Hey guys, as silly as it sounds, they changed the way they played because they couldn't get a stop. It looked like a group that felt like they had to score nine to win. And then another text saying, guys, what it felt like in this series is that you couldn't count on a big save, so the Flames realized the only way they could beat the Oilers was to outscore them. Do you put any faith or any sort of credence into that thought that whether it's subconscious or not, that when you're not getting saves, you start cheating for offense? Is that a thing? that you would buy or no? I mean, it's, it's also McDavid on the other side, and he clearly lives uh, between your ears if you play in the NHL against him because he's that good. Like, you just... There was, I don't think they, they, they came into the locker room one day and said, yeah, we need three tonight, and that'll be good. There was, there was a point, even at last night's game, where the thought crosses my mind. Maybe they just got to go old school, river, river boat, gamble, just wide open. And, and maybe they can outduel the Oilers at that, in that fashion. But uh, no, ultimately, if you've, if you've got the commitment to your game, I think you can, I think you can take away enough chances from the Oilers to get the job done. Even if it's a, it might not be a, a one, nothing game. It might not be a two, one game. I, I think you're rarely going to see that, but a, a three, two, a four, three which very, last night could have very easily been with a little more yep. application. If you, and, yeah, if you don't let that minute 11 stretch where we watched four goals from the two teams, like fastest four goals in playoff NHL history, like that's where things got squirrely. But if with, you remove that nutso segment, and yeah, this, this was the tightest, lowest scoring game in the series in a way. I mean, that was contested. But I, I don't think, yeah, it's, it's weird, Corey. I don't know and, that. And Markstrom, you talk about Markstrom. Okay. So we can't make the big save. Well, like I look at a few of those games and the one that sticks out in my mind is game three when they were really terrible. Like the way that they defended, saves the, the way period. they defended some of those rushes and like last night, is he supposed to make the save on McDavid? Well, you hope so. It just but, shouldn't but get that's to that too, point. that's yeah. way too easy. McDavid, yeah. I said earlier, had a chance in the second period, and he's going to get those chances. But does he really? Like last night, if I look at it, if I look at all of the goals, and you want to get super nitpicky, 
there's so many little missed assignments. And I went through and watched the whole second period. There's so many little missed, little details that have to be there. And especially at this time of year, your coverage, not turning your back on guys, not swinging away from the play, finishing a check. It's like all the gritty little crappy things that no one, they won't, they won't stand out in a series, like a series like this, where the Calgary flames have lost. It's no one's going to go and look like, Oh, look, this defenseman turned the wrong way, but well, why did the puck end up in the net? And why did Markstrom have to make a big save or miss a save? Because it was too easy. He was asked to have to be a superstar for them to win this series. The way they played, there was too many high danger chances as a unit. They defended poorly. The top pair had a really rough series. I don't know which defenseman had a really good series. You could argue Chris Tanev did. He played two games. It was it was a really I, tough series for the for the decor and for the top line as well. Matthew Kachuk really ineffective after game one. Tyler Toffoli was a complete non factor in this series. Johnny Gaudreau came and went. He wasn't at his best, but he wasn't a no show. Your best line was Backlund, Coleman, Manjapani, which is a tip of the cap to them, but at the same time, an indictment of some other players on the team. Yeah, and then it just that that one thing when we're talking, I keep raving about defense here, but when you're if you're top line, I mean they had a, an unbelievable plus minus, they had an unbelievable regular season. Did it translate to the playoffs? And I think we can summarize, Ryan, it goes hand in hand, goaltending, your defensive structure. Yep. It's all it's They're all inter- it's all intertwined. Yeah. You can't point your finger at one or the other. No question. Neither were good enough, and they were certainly correlated. Absolutely. Forwards as well. It was uh, a much shorter series than we anticipated. Oilers in five. They move along. They'll play the winner of St. Louis and Colorado. They're out of tonight. Six o'clock start in St. Louis. The Avs in Denver blew a 3 nothing lead and a 4-3 lead with less than a minute left. Oilers probably wouldn't mind this going to seven. We'll talk about uh, their chances in the next round, and we'll connect with Stephen Brunt as uh, the Blue Jays had a superstar matchup last night in Anaheim, and uh, the CFL may indeed be playing right away here with a CBA agreed upon. That's coming up. It's Boomer in the Morning, brought to you by Sundry Golf Course. Check them out this summer. Guys trips. You want to take a team out there. You want to get out of the city, whatever it is. Sundry Golf Club, home of the 2022 Alberta Open Championship. SundryGolf.com. Sports at 960 The Fan. You're listening to Boomer in the Morning with Ryan Pinder on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Friday morning in Calgary, flame season is over. Just like that, a five-game series victory for the Edmonton Oilers who are off to the Western Conference Final. And a very unclear and... Well, interesting offseason sets unfold. Lots of decisions to be made by Flames management, by pending UFAs. There's a cap that limits how much talent you can have. Lots to work out, and that uh, conversation will continue all the way into July. Still unpacking from last night's uh, 5-4 loss here. Stephen Brunt joins us uh, from, I imagine, his his home in Hamilton. Stephen, uh, it's the day after the night before here. Uh, How are you? Yeah, what's that like? I have no idea what that's like. I've, no, I've probably, never ex- yeah. we don't experience that around here very much. <laughs> well, if you see now, if you were had a rooting interest for the Leafs, I think you'd be very yes. well schooled in what this feels like. But I feel like your rooting interest is to root against them. So I, I don't. Yes. know. Yeah, it's true. But I have friends, you know, and I and yeah, I live, okay. you know, I'm, I'm I'm of the community. So I I I I've, I'm not saying I feel the pain around me, but I sense the pain around me. I have some empathy. 
So I, by extension, yes. No, normally I, you're right. I revel in the Leafs losses, but that's, but you know, but I try to, you know, I try to be a good friend and neighbor. Well, you've been a good friend to us. You said you were cheering for for the Flames uh, because of us. Yeah. So we, we 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 thank you. Although I don't I was. know that you were cheering hard enough. Now that I look at the series, <sighs> yeah, I don't. It, uh, after game, you know, I was I was uh, after game one. Um, despite the wobble in game one, I had come to the conclusion that the better player was playing for Ed. The best player was playing for Edmonton, but the best team was Calgary, and that that which was kind of the season, right? Like mm-hmm. that's the way it, it went. But man. Yeah, it wasn't lost last night. It was lost, as, as other people have said. You know, it was lost in Game Two and Game Three, and you know, the, I don't, I don't think the puck was kicked in last night. But I'm not sure that changes the outcome of the series. I agree. Changes maybe, maybe changes the outcome of the game. But I'd like that's a good to me. That's that's been a good goal this year, from what I've seen. Yeah, I agree. But. It's I, not, I saw about three last night yeah. on social media, and I think the league's got to clear this up. Like, make it less gray area and interpretation, and just say, "Look, if your if your skate's on the ice, it's good. You can redirect, you can slide, you can push stop into the puck. You can't have your foot off the ice. I feel like it's a really easy fix. Um, but again, it's the NHL, and and you know we we had to deal with someone being uh, an eighth of an inch off uh, the blue line for an offside a minute before goals. Like it's. It feels like this should be an easy fix, and yet here we are in a postseason, and that was a pretty big game. Uh, no, it didn't oh, change yeah. the series, but it certainly uh, I would expect they're up in Edmonton on Saturday if that's called a goal. Yeah, I, probably. Like, yes, I think so. Um, it would have been a wild last four minutes or so, but it, yeah, but it, I, yeah, I, th- I think you're right though in terms of how the the simple way to interpret it is to say if the blade's on the ice because you can direct the puck in with your blade as long as you don't kick. It's pretty hard to kick if your blade's on the ice, so that yeah, that seems like an easy one. But I I wouldn't hold your breath for them to get that make it simple. Um, and in any case, I believe the horse has left the barn. It's over now for the Flames. One, yeah, so. it's they're not going to yeah. come back and change so, that for sure. Yeah. So, um, and and welcome to summer. Yeah, and so summer we'll switch gears. The rest of the morning will still be postmortem, but we'll use this as a uh, perhaps a little room for oxygen. Uh, we have a CBA agreed upon, according to sources on the CFL. This has been quite a weird week, and um, I know it sounds odd for fans to be hearing about seven Canadians on the field versus six Canadians and a nationalized American. Uh, it's really common for leagues to have quotas on imports. It's just uncommon in football where there's really only two countries that play the sport. Yeah, it, I, it. This one is uh, uh, like I'm, I'm going to have to wait for the dust to settle here to try and understand exactly what just happened because the the, the initial collective agreement that the players don't have a ton of leverage here. They're not. They, they don't want to be out for very long. They don't want to interrupt the season. They've the, the league has had two very tough years, one of which they didn't play at all, and and the players, the you know the, the veteran guys have had two very tough years. Um, they signed a very long collective agreement in terms of any professional sport, and I don't think there's a whole lot in it for them. But the 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 breakdown between the the first deal and the second deal, what the difference is, it you know appears to be the signing bonuses essentially the difference, which is money in pocket now. Although again, I haven't seen the fine print as it was finally. Well, I guess we'll see it today, but it it appears that the league just took that from one pocket and put it into another pocket. It's not a net. I'm not sure there's a net gain here for the players, but. Uh, you know, it's 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 always look that union forever has been the Canadian players' union, not the CFL players' union. Really, the American guys come and go. They're the 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 the, the transient figures in the league. The Canadian guys stick around in large part because of the quota, 
and uh, you know that they, they were the ones that pushed back on that initial deal. And um, we'll again, I want to see how this is worded. Obviously, we have the, the naturalized Canadian as a fact, and uh, I think that it was a million years ago as well. I don't think that's a terrible thing, but the you know, the league is going to try and to squeeze that artificial economy for Canadian players as much as it possibly can. Uh, I, I, the only thing I would say in terms of the players is, you know, if, if you're like the, the, um, the revenue sharing stuff, which of course 90% of the players in the league won't even be in the league anymore by the time this revenue sharing thing kicks in in theory. But, uh, yeah, I, those are the kind of things that you, you want, you want it verified and double verified and, right. uh, transparency and, and auditing and all of that stuff. And I don't see that any of that is necessarily built in here. You're kind of, there's a lot of trust and, um, yeah, I, if it was me, I would kind of think, look at what I got right now and not believe that we're going to get a whole lot more down the road, that some great era of wealth and prosperity is going to occur and we're all going to share in it. If there's an era of wealth and prosperity, I think the owners are going to keep it. That's fair. Uh, Blue yep. Jays are in Anaheim. They It was Otani and Vlad Guerrero, two of the brightest young stars in the sport yesterday, and then the bats are finally awake for the Jays as they win another one thanks to the long ball, and suddenly uh, Danny Jansen is uh, Pudge Rodriguez. That's nice to see. Yeah, isn't that something? Um, it was a nice win last night because uh, I think going in, uh, your West Coast road trips are always tricky. In any case, the Jays have obviously been kind of sputtering and if when you see the pitching matchup's going to be Otani versus Ryu, you're not feeling great about it from a Jays' point of view. But they, you know, Otani wasn't wasn't very good. He just he wasn't himself. He struck out ten guys still in what six innings. So it's not like he he was terrible. But the, he was hittable last night. And Ryu kept things under control. He had some hard contact, some stuff to the warning track, but he kept the ball in the park. But the main thing is you just. I don't know if there's a great story about Vladdy's hitting woes on MLB.com that was posted yesterday, which is you know worth looking at just in terms of you think what what's what has been wrong with him. It's more what pitchers have been doing to him very effectively, the way they've neutralized him, kind of taken away his strengths. But I thought I think what you're starting to see, and in some ways it goes back to that home run against in the second game against uh, St. Louis. But you know even though he hit kind of a dead fish in that game, he he just he just looks like. He's, he's starting to look like himself, and I think confidence, even for a guy like him, it matters the, how you feel when you step up there. So I think pitchers are still going to try and do what they've been doing, which is keep the ball down, you know, no four-seamers up, keep it away, try and get him to chase, try and get him frustrated. But there's just, you know, when he's right, it doesn't matter what you do. He's a very hard guy to pitch to, and and he's looking more right. So that's, you know, that's a huge step in terms of the team getting better offensively and kind of getting back to what it should be. And obviously, Jansen, yes, is will this this goes back to last season. But uh, if you if you've got him in the nine spot, hitting home runs every day, that would be good. the The missing piece right now is Teoscar Hernandez, who is coming off you know consecutive silver sluggers, and he didn't you know sat down last night. They're trying to get him right. If you know Bo Bichette's starting to look looks like himself, Springer has been pretty consistent to, you know this year. Uh, you know, Matt Chapman has had a lot of hard contact that's died at the warning track, but he's playing great third base. But the thing is, if you get if you get Vladdy and Teoscar Hernandez going in the middle of that lineup, I think everything else solves itself. Mm-hmm. And you know, and you, you combine that with starting pitching that has been exceptionally good. And you know, the even through this kind of dreary last month they played, they're still in a playoff position. And 
you know, kind of honestly the hierarchy in the American League. I, you've got the Red Sox coming from behind them right now. The White Sox are scuffling. They're behind them. But, you know, once you get past those two teams, I'm not sure how many other playoff contenders there are. That, like, that may be it. Like, it may be eight teams for six spots. You were saying that uh, when we chatted earlier in the week, and I agree. There's just It's not going to be a, a seemingly a huge battle of a lot of contenders for the final wildcard spots. And to be fair, if the Blue Jays start hitting with the runners in scoring position or they get the Teoscar Hernandez, to your point, that has had two Silver Slugger awards, uh, they won't be worried about the last wildcard in the AL. They'll probably be passing Tampa and may uh, start to flirt with the Yankees. Yeah, especially if the Yankees – we're starting to see the Yankees. You know, Giancarlo Stanton is hurt. That should not be a surprise. He, he always gets hurt. And, you know, Luizaga is hurt. And uh, Aroldis Chapman is hurt. And the Donaldson whole – that whole kerfuffle with Donaldson um, and Tim Anderson seems to have sent some kind of ripples through the team a little bit. And they're, they're not – like, they have a great record, obviously, and they've gone on to a great straight. And they've also played a really, really soft schedule. But I don't think they're untouchable at the top of this division. Um, I'm not sure what Tampa is right now. I, I, I think – you know they may be missing enough pieces right now that they're they're not going to do the Tampa thing and just surge past the Yankees here. But I, I still think that I think the Jays honestly have a chance. Still have a, ch- have a chance. Well, there's a ton of season left. Let's be honest here. There's also you know more than hundred games left. But I if if this if the pitching holds up, you know that's what that's over the long haul. That's that's what means the most. And I'll take their rotation. You know with you know the Yankee rotation's been Nestor Cortez has been unbelievably good and. Um, but I'll take their rotation against just about anybody's in mm-hmm. baseball right now. Yeah, no, it's been uh, Gosman seems to be a contender for the Cy Young. Alec Manoa's numbers are absolutely filthy. Opponents are hitting under 200 against him in his career, I believe. That's like rare, mm-hmm. rare, rare. Not to mention Kikuchi's now turned in, I feel like, four or five solid starts in a row. That guy was supposed to be your five. Ryu's looked very uh, sturdy since coming off the IL, and we haven't mentioned Barrios, who – Maybe hasn't been great, but certainly hasn't been bad. That's that's probably as good as you're going to get one through five these days. And Stripling, who came in as the six, he was fine when he needed to come in and give, what, three, four starts when Ryu was gone. Yeah, so, you know, you knock on wood and say, yeah, you hope you don't have to get figure out who seven, eight, and nine would be, which would, you know, we've seen the Jays. There's the season when I think 16 different guys started one year. Well, that was not a good year. Um, but, but, yeah, one through six, uh they they look absolutely you know absolutely fine and and you have striplings your six or if Ryu is your five right now maybe because mm-hmm. I because I think Kikuchi like the flashes of when Kikuchi's been really good he's you you see what's there um and then you know he's a guy who pitched in the All Star game last year so it, if they they've they've come a long way with him already I think but you know lefty that can throw ninety seven and then has a, a really nasty hard breaking pitch. Um, yeah, it, it, and he, again, he's your, he's your four, maybe your five, uh, and the and the and the guys ahead of him, kind of range from spectacular to very very steady. Um, you know, like not everybody has you know four Cy Young winners in a, in their rotation. Like nobody does, but you know the Jays have two Cy Young candidates in their rotation right now. Right, that's that's not bad. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, and I don't know how our our benevolent overlords feel about it, but tonight's game is on Apple Plus, not yeah. on TV. And I know there's been YouTube games in the past. This is a deal with Major League Baseball. Uh, walk us through what this means in 2022 when a league is taking games away from uh, a home broadcast, which maybe isn't a big deal uh. in Cincinnati, but in a national brand like the Jays, it probably feels like a big deal. 
I think our overlords are going to wait because they, what they know, they'll be like, I guess people still have phones and still can find phone numbers to call. But somehow people there, there will be a million, myriad complaints tonight from people who haven't picked, even though yes. that was on the broadcast last night, who haven't picked up saying, why are the Jays not on my television set? Uh, which perhaps the phrasing is of television set speaks to a generational divide here. But yeah. that's what's coming, right? A lot of people are going to yell at Sportsnet tonight because we don't have the game. But it's it's not our deal. It's Major League Baseball's deal. It is similar to the YouTube deal. It's you know, it's just money. <laughs> That's what it is. It's just it's money. Um, I guess you know collectively it's worth it that you you, you sell off. I, I forget how many games it is and how many games each team is expected to give up. Uh, normally the Jays, when there's been a range of games that you have to sacrifice, the Jays have been on the low end because the market doesn't you know register in the united states Mm -hmm. so they haven't had to we haven't had to go through this a lot and um i would think the calculation if they had a choice they're looking at a game you know the west coast game maybe on a friday night and saying yeah that's that's okay that'll that's that's not the worst case scenario for us but uh they're they're trying baseball's trying to reach a different audience they're trying to take some of apple's money (laughs) <laughs> um, maybe they're trying to hit a slightly different demographic. I don't. I don't I'm not sure it hits a different demographic. Uh, and uh, you know, and Apple is trying to find content that people will pay for as subscribers. That'll give them another reason to hand Apple money if they're not already handing Apple enough money. So yeah, it's pretty straightforward. It's frust- and I know it's frustrating if you're like if you're one of those people who watches every game or watches part of every game and it can becomes part of your routine during baseball season to just flip on flip on the ball game when no matter what. It's I guess you'll have to find. You have to go see your family tonight or something. Oh um, boy, I don't know what so, it sounds like. That's, so that's what it do. It'll bring families closer together. <laughs> they oh, isn't that nice of them at Apple? Wow. Yeah. Um, okay, so Boomer's gone today. Patty yes. Dumas, the producer, and I we get to squeeze a little footy talk out of you. Now we yes. are uh, both uh, very commonly found at uh, Spruce Meadows here, where the CPL side plays. Uh, they narrowly yep. lost to the Whitecaps midweek, had a, a lead, lost on kicks. That's an MLS side with a single player that makes more than the entire Cavalry payroll. Like, we, we, we're we very keen on this. We've been watching World Cup qualifying. I was in Edmonton watching Sam Adekube jump into a snowbank when they beat Mexico. He was at the Flames game last night. We're all wound up. There's all this momentum, yet you can't buy a jersey from the team, and apparently they can't line up a friendly of anyone of any caliber ahead of the World <sighs> Cup. This is not good. No, this is a gong show. This is really bad. And it's a completely of their own doing. This is the Canadian Soccer Association's own doing. Like, it's not the team's fault. It's not, not the coaching staff's fault. It's not the player's fault. This is the Canadian Soccer Association's fault. And for people, who, I'll, I'll try and do the short version. But, you know, there's a, there's a FIFA window in June, which is when players who are playing for club teams can report to their national teams and the national teams take care of business, whether it's World Cup qualifying or uh European championships for European teams or uh Nations League here for CONCACAF and you can play friendlies against other countries which are games that you know are what they sound like but heading towards a World Cup it's one of the ways you prepare and Canada's obviously heading towards a World Cup in November so the idea was let's find somebody to come and play us in Canada they've got to go to they got to play Curacao in BC as part of the Nations Cup and they have to go to Honduras so it's a little tricky travel wise and they figured they could only schedule one game because of the travel. So let's bring in somebody who plays a style similar to one of the teams we're going to play in the World Cup group. Um, will give us a go, and we, that we can afford because you have to pay these teams to come in. So if you want, you know, say you wanted Argentina to come in, you could get them, but it would cost you a million and a half dollars, and they would take a big chunk of your gate. 
And uh, so you would end up probably not making money. So this is a money-making opportunity as well for the Canadian Soccer Association. They were going to schedule Tunisia, who, you know, Canada plays Morocco in the World Cup. So the sense was the same, con- you know, same conference, similar style, good test. Um, and somehow that fell through and the replacement was Iran. And the folks at the CSA, like that should have set off some alarm bells um, because there are going to be issues. Iran is in the World Cup. From a soccer point of view, it makes perfect sense. They're like number 21 in the world, good test, and they're affordable you know, at $400,000. Very affordable for a friendly. The reason they're affordable is because Iran is a pariah state and no one wants to touch them. And by the way, they shot down a plane two years ago that was half filled with Canadians and uh. killed them all. So I don't know how they could be that oblivious. I know players on the team and the staff on the team when this was when they found out about this said this this isn't you we've got a problem here. There were players who talked about boycotting the game. They were certainly aware that there could be protests outside as you would think, you know, Canadian families who lost family members you know might take offense at this. And then somebody finally asked the prime minister in a scrum. He didn't seem to know anything about it, but he said, "Hey, that sounds like a bad idea." Because that's the only answer, right? That sounds like a really bad idea. And it turned into you know, a, a political thing, but that doesn't mean it's not legit. It's like the question is, what, why would you possibly do this? That, you know, they had every ticket sold and for BC Place, they were going to make a bucket of money. And, but then the inevitable happened yesterday and they had to cancel it because you can't go through with this. You just can't. And I, no one knows what's going to happen now. It's going to be almost impossible to find another opponent. The money's going back to the ticket buyers. The Iranians are apparently suing the Canadian Soccer Association for $10 million for <laughs> breach of contract. Uh, FIFA's probably pissed off, uh, just as we're about to announce the host cities in Canada for the 2026 World Cup. Um, it, it's, it is a, but it is a mess of their own making. It's, it's indefensible. And not one person from the, from the CSA hierarchy has had the guts to stand up and talk about this. They've issued two statements, unsigned, no name attached, one saying essentially we're going ahead, the other saying we're canceling. Like that's not leadership. Um, And it's, you know, it's entirely possible that the first person from Canadian soccer who's going to have to face the public or the media uh, is John Herdman. Because they have these games coming up. And it doesn't, it's not fair at all. He's not, this was not him. So yeah, a lot of people hiding behind their office doors right now. It's cowardly. And, you know, they screwed up big time. There are going to be consequences, financial and otherwise. And you're right. All of us are feeling giddy and excited about this team. And then the people who run the sport in this country do something as dumb, you know, as, as say, oblivious, dumb, reckless, you know, take your pick as this. It's, it's, it's really kind of heartbreaking. Well, and Herdman is beloved, and his work ethic is legendary, and the success he's had with programs, and you know, exceeding expectations everywhere he's gone. Like we know that story. Um, the CSA's track record is the exact opposite, and I wonder if we kind of shouldn't be lumping the two together. That you know, without Herdman, we might see more of the dysfunction. Like, give us a little history on the CSA because it it feels like a rather dysfunctional crew. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and just well, just look at the you know, just look at the results. If you you know, if just take, if you just want to take it on a you know soccer point of view rather than getting into the kind of uh, govern you know governance weeds here. But um, you know, John Herdman was hired in at, you know after Canada bombed out of the Women's World Cup to coach the women's team in, after in 2011 and 2012. Canada was on the podium at the London Olympics. Uh, 
and then they were on the podium at the Rio Olympics. And then you know the team that he helped build, now coached by Bev Priestman, won a gold medal in the Tokyo Olympics. The men's team had not qualified for a World Cup since 1986. There had been one flicker of success in the interim, which was the Gold Cup uh, back in the day when Holger Osiek was coaching. They'd gone through a bunch of coaches. They couldn't get out of their own way. John Herdman said, um, I'm leaving to go coach the English women's national team. Uh, they persuaded him to stay by saying, how about you take over the men's team, even though he'd never coached a men's team at that level. Uh, and Canada qualified against all expectations for the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. Top of the group. Uh, and Yeah, and, and almost ran the table in qualifying. Uh, beat Mexico, beat the United States. It, it's one of the great accomplishments in Canadian sports history. So I'm thinking you can kind of directly link it to one guy. Yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, there's a, this is not... None of that is coincidental. So, And you're right. He prepares meticulously for this stuff. So even if we just want to talk about this on a soccer, from a soccer point of view, like that friendly, in you know, which is supposed to come up in just a few days, really, that was important in terms of getting these guys. Because like, after this, the window, they disappear again. They all go off their separate ways. They don't get together again until September. And then after that, they don't get together until a week before the World Cup. So they needed that match. They still yeah. need that match. Yeah. And they, right now, they're kind of scouring the world, finding somebody who will do it for the amount of money they're willing to pay. Not good. Uh, Not okay. good. Any, any advice for us here today, uh, being in the, the greater Toronto area? You, you know, What do you do after a series comes to an end and uh, you, again, are questioning whether the, the, uh, the core pieces of your team have the ability to win this time of year? Give us some Coles notes on how uh, we're supposed to deal with this. Go for, go for a stroll, you know. Go go fishing. That's go fishing. Go fishing. Good. You know, Fly golf, fishing. Golf if it's your thing. Uh, hear the birds sing. Uh, take a deep <laughs> breath of the fresh air. Go go off to the mountains and have a stroll. Uh, be happy that you're alive. Don't sweat free agency deadlines. Okay. And cap considerations because you'll have. There's lots of time for that. Yeah, we got all summer for that. That's right. Yes, we'll sir. Save that joy for later. Yep. Uh, thank you for the conversation. As always, have a great weekend. We'll talk next week. Uh, talk next week. All right, there's Stephen Brunt from Hamilton. Uh, all right, uh, that's very soccery on the day after the Flames are eliminated, but a bit of a cluster if you have, if we're not aware of that situation. Now, as a very non-soccer aficionado, okay, when was the invitation sent to Iran? I think in the last couple, Patrick would probably know what three, four weeks. Yeah, month? it's within the last few weeks. So, I know there was a pre-sale thing. So that, was uh, there? Yeah. Why is this being addressed nine days before they're about to play? Well, because it got political. That's why. Right? Somebody asked Trudeau about the whole thing, and he, again, wasn't really aware about the whole thing. He's like, that's a bad idea. And visas I, were going to be an issue. Yeah, yeah they, weren't, they weren't guaranteed that they were going to be able to get all the Iranian players' visas to get here. Anyway. I just find it hard that a president or president, prime minister of our <laughs> a nation. A leader of any country. Yeah, yeah sure. Prime minister of our nation kind of wasn't in the know. Uh, but will affect it. Yeah. Four weeks ago, <laughs> six weeks ago, whenever the invitation was sent. Could we not have weighed our opinion then? Like, yeah, and if you're Canadian Soccer Association, maybe get this green lit before you go commit and sign a contract and send money to another country. Well, it's 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 yeah, it's a cluster. Like what? <laughs> when? Who? Who's running what? Well, yeah, if, if it yeah. solely falls on the CSA, then get better. 
There's lots of uh, blame to go around here. Patrick, a final thought on that before we get back to the flames? It's rough. It's going to be tough. Like the, like you said, like we're playing. Like you got Honduras and Curacao. That's not exactly the groups you want to be playing when you got to. You want to play World Cup caliber opponents ahead like, of the World Cup, so you can get ready for the World Cup, the World Bleeping Cup. Yeah, like Curacao, Honduras, both not being there. They're not going to be in Qatar in November. So, but like I said, Stephen said you might be able to find something here in June, but it ain't going to be a quality opponent like Iran and potentially in the September qualify or not. The September international window might be your last chance to have a decent qualifying opponent. We'll see. Can you find me a jersey? I can't even bother. They screwed that up. Stephen didn't answer that. <laughs> you can't even buy jerseys. How's that? You guys are leaving money on the table. You got Alfonso Davies, Jonathan David. You're one qualifying in CONCACAF, well, and we'll no pro- one can even give you their money for a jersey. They'll knobs. probably have new kits out for the 2022 World Cup anyway. So that's And if it's a CSA in charge, it'll be ready by 2023. I can't <laughs> wait. <laughs> yeah, probably. We'll take a break. Back to hockey. Flame season is over. What's next? Sportsnet 960, the fan.